You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Okay, so once again, Twitter has told me that we are wrong because we don't remember anything about season five. Oh, no. Yes. Our dear friend Kat uh, informed us that Parrish gives Lydia, like, hand-to-hand combat lessons in this season, and that's why she can fight in the first episode. I honestly, that's probably a thing that I blocked out from my memory because I didn't want to remember it as opposed to it just bleeding out naturally. Because because you're like, (laughs) get a job, stay away from her. That little girl is a child. Is that from something? I think it's from The Office. I'm pretty sure it's from The Office. Oh, I... I have never seen like any neither of the have office, I. So neither don't let it I. bleed through into your vernacular, man. We're talking about Teen Wolf. It's from unfortunately that stupid clock app. So. Oh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. Dumb. 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 Oh God. I mean, I'm not deleting it or anything. <laughs> no, but no. Um, I mean, thank you. I appreciate when people remind us that we don't know anything because. It keeps us from being dumb in the future, but... But mostly it humbles us. Like, we sit here on the platform of owning a microphone, owning several microphones, and um, knowing how to use GarageBand, and I think it's only appropriate that the people who are not using those skills to do something as dumb as host a Teen Wolf (laughs) podcast are checking our Teen Wolf privilege. And by the way, you're listening to the Teen Wolf Free Wolf, a podcast where we talk about teen wolf Mm, it's been more it's been more teen wolf than not recently i think we have a lot to get through we've got a lot to cover maybe we should spice it up with what i don't know we'll think about it we'll think about it (laughs) anyway i'm christian i'm julia cool right um and as we've said five billion times before we do not do research (laughs) no we don't well sometimes we do um for the stuff that matters yeah we do research on like if we're gonna make political commentary if we're gonna talk about cultural representation but other but like plot research no 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 i spent like three hours looking up stuff about japanese internment but if you're trying to tell me to remember something that happens in like the middle of season five no 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 i also just think it's highly unlikely despite the fact that he does give her hand-to-hand combat lessons that she's a ninja she turns into black widow yeah Yeah. what the f yeah but speaking of humbling us we did get another review oh right um and, you know, as you guys know the drill, when we get a five-star review, we read it out loud. It's something that I think just, you know, it's just great to remind um, us that we have this really fun, cool community of people who listen to our podcast. Uh, Julia, take it away. Yes, this is from Justin Lawrence, um, and he left this review on our Facebook group, which you can join at Yeah, any hang time. out with us. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, truly can't figure out how to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, so I'm just putting a review here. It's fun. I watched Teen Wolf originally back in my junior year of college and followed it all on Tumblr. I rewatched it recently with some friends and on my own and was so sorely missing some Teen Wolf content, and then I found y'all. It was great timing, too, because I definitely used your season two recap to get through the few days I was without cell service due to the Nashville bombing. Remember, uh, really, y'all are fun. The podcast is fun, and I deeply appreciate getting to hear you talk about Teen Wolf. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much, Justin. Um, I honestly, I gotta be real with you. I never want to hear that I helped anybody cope through an act of domestic terror. Mostly because that shouldn't be happening. Mostly because we, not because I don't want us to be, you know, resonant voices in your life, but because I don't want the domestic terror to be happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, but one, Justin, we're really sorry that happened to you. Uh, and two, thank you so much for your listenership and your review. Uh, we appreciate it. And like we said, that was in the Facebook group. So if you guys want to join the fun, share the memes, it's where it's happening. Just teenwolfreewolf.com. Mm-hmm. 
Facebook. Um, yeah, just Tino Frio podcast on Facebook. Answer the questions. We'll let you in so you can hang out. Um, this episode I liked weird, right? Yeah. I, at first I was like, this is moving slow, but then I, I realized that it wasn't moving slow towards any like crazy action. It was just like a slow burn episode. I was like, no, I'm getting in the groove. It really, um, felt like a return to form. Yeah. Well, here's the thing directed by Tim Andrew. So it literally was. Yeah. Except that R- written by Jeff Davis and edited by Angela Harvey. So like kind of a dream team the dream team so who knows what was going on with last episode I think we both assume that jeff really took a step back jeff because we know him personally our good friend. um our good friend jeff I'm kidding <laughs> um took a step back in the season but he's written the first couple episodes so maybe season five is bad organically <laughs> <laughs> it's a sophomore slump it's middle book syndrome yeah something like that i don't know i feel like my slump came i was gonna say <laughs> junior year no, my no. senior year. I had senioritis, and I think Teen Wolf did too, because it didn't realize it was going to have to be a super senior. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, like the full last semester is season six, but then mm-hmm. it is a super senior in six B. So because it just takes so long. It do. It do. But anyway, so we liked this episode, but that was making me think, you know, season four, we were like, I hate this season. And then we're like, I'm having a great time. This was kind of fun. It was kind of fun, um, particularly after the chaos of the season opener. Which was unintelligible. I don't think we were as critical as we should have been. It didn't make no sense. It made no sense. Well, I think we were like focused on uh, talking about the characters, um, but it really, it really frustrated us, I will say. Um, so this was a, kind of a I don't want to call it a breath of fresh air because it's very, very Teen Wolf. Um, but it was lovely. We had some like Teen Wolf tropes. Mm-hmm. We had scratches in a locker. We, we had, had the morgue crawl, but from a locker. The morgue crawl. We had uh, some black vomit. Mm-hmm. It was good. Good, good Teen Wolfisms. Dead crows. Dead crows. Ravens. I don't know. A, I would feel like they're a, supposed a to be crows. Yeah. yeah. A flashback from season three. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun. Um, but yeah, before we get into this episode, Parasomnia, as it's called, we do have to do the 60 second recap. I'm looking at my notes and I'm just, oh, but you are going first. So oh, I'll God. just see so you can, how so you, you do. Can copy <laughs> off my homework already. Uh, I used like an extra um, thick pen today. So I think it just looks super imposing. I don't know. How are you feeling about your imminent recap? Oh, they're going to say my handwriting. <laughs> how do you feel about your handwriting? Um, It's like a very straight lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's very a, up and down. That's the review of my handwriting. Very vertical. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Illegible to your average man. You just gotta you look at it really closely. Or really close. <laughs> well, I don't dot my I's and I don't cross my T's. Which shame. People seem to not like. <laughs> I can't understand why. Um, are you ready to recap? I'm gonna ask you episode? a question in return. Have mm-hmm. I ever been ready? No. Oh, I guess you have your answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you have one minute on the clock starting right now. Okay. So uh, Tracy is in a media meeting with Lydia's mom and she's like, yeah, I have night terrors. And Lydia's mom is like, Meh, I don't know about that. And it's like a long sequence of like a nightmare opening windows. And then Scott helps a dog and then a little kid calls him a doctor and Deaton examines the talons and is like, these are from an eagle. And then Scott raises suspicion, Styles raises suspicions about Theo to the sheriff. And then Malia tells Styles to chill. But Styles is like, uh, uh, Mason is um, <laughs> doing his like research on berserkers because he's trying to figure it out. And Liam sits next to Hayden in class and he like kind of knows her and we don't like her. And then Styles is, uh, 
uh, helping. Uh, oh, Styles is uh, Scott's taking AP Bio, and Malia and Lydia are confused, and like Mason keeps pressing Liam about all of this information, and then Tracy is still being haunted by the Dread Doctors, and then Lydia checks in on her and has Parrish investigate her house, and then Theo explains his bite story, but Styles doesn't buy it, so Liam and, and Styles stalk Theo to the woods, and then you really realize he's, like, grieving his dead sister, and then Scott finds him, and he's like, yo, Styles, um, why are you doing this? This is crazy, and Theo's like, I am who I say I am, and then we find out he's not, because he clearly has actually different parents, because... Um, that's time. Yeah, I didn't do great. I got caught up in minutia and then I couldn't read my notes because as mm-hmm. we said, I thought my eyes across my teeth. So I will try to do, to get a little further. Yeah. I'll try to try that. I think when we stopped deciding that we had to fit the whole thing in a minute, which we think we did probably in season two, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it just <laughs> We're literally really, de- really <laughs> reflects the downfall of this podcast. I tried my best. I'm going to try my best, actually. Therefore, no one can criticize exactly. us. Um, well, are you ready to try your best? I'm ready to try, yes. Okay, one, mm. two, three. Okay, so um, Mama Martin is doing college guidance for Tracy, and she's having nightmares. And then there's a flashback to just like a horrible evening where something's trying to come into Tracy's room, and she vomits black vomit all over Natalie's desk. Um, Scott's at the animal clinic talking to Deaton about like the attack in the school, and Deaton's like, "Oh, some things are changing in the supernatural world. That's weird." Styles is suspicious of Theo and trying to get his dad to help him, and then he and Malia talk about it. Um, and Malia's just like, "You know what? You need to really calm down." And he doesn't think that Liam, Theo is the same person. Mason is trying to figure things out about the berserkers, but Liam keeps denying that he knows anything. Um, we see Hayden for the first time. Scott's in AP Biology, yay! Um, Hayden and Liam actually know each other from sixth grade. Tracy has some more hallucinations, and then Lydia decides to help her. Um, Theo tells Scott and Styles how he became a werewolf, and he claims to be from Ethan and Aiden's old pack. Um, and he's trying to convince Scott to let him in. Lydia gets Paris to take a look at Tracy's room, and he opens a sealed skylight, and there are a bunch of dead birds on the roof. Malia's doing driving lessons with Mr. Yukimura, and she's obviously really bad at it because she was a coyote. Um, Styles is still trying to get uh, is trying to get the signatures, um, and he. <laughs> Recruits Liam to go spy on Theo. Um, we find out that oh. I had so many things to say. Uh, well, like, I do think you got more detail, but we kind of ended up in the, in the same, same place. I actually think I got slightly farther. You just did a you more did. comprehensive job. Um, so, a failure on on my goals for that. I was going to say on both our parts. And I was going to be no, like, no, speak no. for yourself. For me. I only ever speak for myself. Okay, so what did we miss? Um, Theo has fake parents. Theo's fake parents, Tracy, uh, while Paris is, Paris is watching her house, sleepwalks away because she's being like summoned or haunted by the dread doctors. And then they inject her with something, something. Gross. and she wolfs out because she's going to be a chimera as um, we will later learn. Um, Scott and Styles have like a full blown, like domestic in front of Liam because they are, can't decide on whether or not they're, they should be trusting Theo. Styles? <laughs> Why does anybody ever not believe Styles? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Um, yeah. And um, Styles is trying to reconcile with the fact that Scott does is not going to be on his side. Uh, Liam tells Mason he's a werewolf because Theo shows up as a wolf and scares him into it, I guess. I guess. I'm not sure what the um, objective was ultimately for Theo doing that, but we do find out that Theo can morph into a full wolf, which we've only ever seen Derek and Talia do. Yeah. Impressive. And then finally styles is talking to his dad and realizes that the thing he can't figure out what's different about his dad is that his dad is no longer wearing his wedding ring. Sad. It is sad, but it's been so long. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no styles was 10, seven or eight years. Yeah. So, you know, I just find that so interesting because I feel like they don't necessarily introduce 
a new love interest for him. Does he get together with Lydia's mom? No, Lyndon Ashby and, and um, I can't remember that actress's name are a couple in real life. Uh, right. That is why I think that. But they don't give the sheriff a new love interest, which I find interesting. No, they to, just like, give him Claudia in season six and it's horrifically Oh, it's horrible. Sad. Horrible. Um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of identity. Everybody is kind of readjusting how they feel about themselves and how they feel about the people in their lives and how they want to present themselves to the people in their lives. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's kind of a transitional moment for some, but also sort of a reckoning for others where it's like, this is how we now have to acknowledge that this is how we see each other. Um, I think that we should maybe start um, with Liam and Mason. The dream team. They're so great. They're so cute. And um, I'm really glad that we're getting this in this episode because um, I had almost completely forgotten that Mason had gone through that with the berserkers. Um, And I'm glad that we're addressing it. Yeah. Nice. Teen Wolf is really good about sweeping trauma under the rug for like plot's sake. And now that this is becoming a plot element, it's great. And it's a... Sort of like, I love that they kind of gave him his Bella from Twilight research that Styles got to go through because we kind of know that like, they're not, they're not really each other's Scott and Styles. They, you know, they fill very different roles in each other, like the similar roles, but very different um, personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that like Mason is a smart cookie and Liam can't actually hide anything from him. You no. know, he'll get to the truth. And I thought that was really really sweet that he's like, no, dude, you have to know about all the lore that I'm pulling out. And Liam is like, yeah, that sounds fake. That sounds, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that it's a serious moment um, for Liam because he, I think, in part is worried that this will change how Mason sees him. And it, that's interesting because Mason already forgives Liam for a litany of problems like anger management and being short. So... <laughs> And not always being the greatest of friend. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still, like Mason is kind of the uh, remnant of Liam's former life when he was not a werewolf. Yeah. And he's also his best friend. So um, despite how, however close Liam might feel to Scott or, you know, kind of like finding his place in the pack, still like Mason is his bud, his ride or die. It would be so... Uh, soul crushing to Liam. And I think a lot of like how like Liam assesses himself is through like, not, I don't want to say that like Mason validates him, but sort of like, maybe that is it. But like, I think that he isn't ready to start identifying as a werewolf because the person he wants to identify as is the person Mason sees him as. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like kind of a, a, a thing that happens in most friendships. Like when you kind of like, F up in life, it's sometimes really hard even to tell the people you're closest to because you don't want that to change how they identify you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is a, a big thing that that Mason is kind of that Liam is kind of going through. Not to mention the element of like being able to protect him, you know, by keeping him again at an arm's distance, which is something we talked a lot about last season. And when Styles is like, you can tell Mason, we told you it's okay. Like Liam is still hesitant. Mm-hmm. I really um, appreciated hearing that from Styles, um, be- to have that kind of validation. And he even says it's always better when they know, um, particularly because it's like, well, you can't really protect Mason if he doesn't know anything. Um, yeah. 
Maybe tell him that things go bump in the night. And that your worst nightmares are real. Um, Our and- worst nightmares are real. We just lived them through 2020. <laughs> yeah, and are never going to address them ever again. No, we're pressed immediately. Immediately. Uh, not looking forward to seeing it in textbooks in 20 years. But, um, yeah, I think that I think that finally letting Mason into the circle kind of completes Liam's transformation, if you will, into a member of the pack. Because as we all know, you do not have to be a werewolf to be part of Scott's pack. And by kind of like letting him in on the secret, it's almost inevitable that Mason will become part of the pack. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like all of the parts of Liam's life are finally starting to mesh together. Yeah. I think Liam kind of sees him and Mason as like sort of a soap bubble attached to Scott. Scott's bigger soap bubble. Like a sub pack. Yeah. And I think that he does not, I think he is caught in, in identities right now between being like a member of the McCall pack and then also sort of him and Mason being like each other's ride, ride or die. And because he can synthesize those identities in this episode, it ultimately gives him a more whole sense of self. I would agree. And I think that Mason, um, sort of, calls it as he sees it he says you're a werewolf he doesn't even really it's funny because styles has all of these reasons to be like scott you're a werewolf who to do to do um in that first episode but like we don't really know what other research mason is doing beyond berserkers to sort of like make him think that that's what he is um and it was just one of those moments where i was like mason sees him so holy because they are that close that he can just be like I named the werewolf. And he's so delighted by that fact. Oh, he's absolutely giddy. It's adorable. Which I I love because in contrast to Styles, who is extremely supportive, but it very much seems like he is always being inconvenienced by the fact that Scott is a werewolf. He's like, I'm going to help you, but God, this is so annoying. Um, He does tie him to a radiator. (laughs) He does. Um, And like Mason is just gleeful to be let in on the secret. And also I think like when you're. I think almost to have figured out the secret. Yeah. It's a little bit like I know you better than you know yourself kind of thing. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you're, I think you're always happy um, when your friends can finally be truthful about themselves. Is it a coming out? allegory werewolfism werewolfism is it actually about gay people (laughs) probably yeah more at 11 more at 11 well it's funny because we we it it would be way easier to be like that's what this is about if teen wolf weren't like super normal about gay people unlike Mm -hmm. most media (laughs) like we even have this moment at the beginning where uh liam is like trying to get mason off his back a little bit and he's like don't you want to go watch the boys soccer team huh mason's like you know what i really do which is funny because that totally subverts like uh something that would happen in pretty much every other teen show it would be like ooh, like the girl, either the girl's going to go watch the soccer team or the boy's watching like, you know, girls volleyball or something and it being kind of like... Skeevy. Skeevy? Yeah, it yeah. didn't feel skeevy at all. Especially because one of the soccer players like looks back at Mason and you know like, they're sort of making eyes at each other. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is a really fun piece of, uh, you know, like flipping a little bit of, of the tropes on their head. Um, and it's so normal. Yeah, super normal. Which I love. Which is, again, we can sit here and be like, I think werewolfism could totally be a metaphor for whatever, whatever you want in any other thing, but it can't be gay people in Teen Wolf because there's gay people there's in Teen Wolf. There's lots of gay people in Teen Wolf. Yes. Yeah. Um, shall we move on? Two. I kind of want to talk about Lydia and Parrish. 
Okay, let's do it. We have to. We I know. It's so it. yucky. And nothing is happening, but it's like the idea that it's like kind of a, you know, pearl clutching. It could. And it's like, I don't want to have to sit here and clutch my pearls about that. Like, nah. It is gross. And I remember watching this for the first time and just being so frustrated because like, I think that they are both like extremely beautiful people. I think they look well together. They have like really nice chemistry. Um, and then you sit there and, and well, you're it like, it also helps that Holland Roden was like 30. 30 yeah. yeah. Um, that these people are, are well within age range to be interested in each other and outside of the canon of Teen Wolf. Yeah. Um, and then you like take one, literally one step back and you're like, Hold on. Hold on. And they're doing such weird things to try and like justify it. Like she's not really in high school and she's yeah. 18 and it's like, just don't do it. Yeah. We, we saw a movie recently where someone was about to justify like a horrible sex scene by being like, I'm 18 and you and I just looked, looked at each, each other, other and yeah. checked out. We were, yeah, like, we were like, this movie done. sucks now. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I... You know, because you know how we don't know how old Cora is. Mm-hmm. What if Cora had come back for the season and she had been the you know, the tying factor between the pack and Parish? Yeah, they could because she not like Cora ever goes to high school. They could just be like, yeah, she was you know eighteen in season whatever too, and now she's whatever. Like that would make me feel better. They could totally make it up. Yeah. Also, like, or also they could honestly, it could have just been a friendship. It could have just been a friendship, and because there's nothing actually like gratifying about the sort of weird romantic undertones anyway it wouldn't have changed anything no i don't and they like they work well together and it also makes total sense that parish kind of wants to stay connected to the pack because he is a supernatural creature and he has no idea what so they could possibly provide him with some answers so it makes sense that he wants to still exist within that world yeah and i think in terms of identity which is why i wanted to talk about them next like Mm -hmm. he says like lydia i you know I have, you know, I owe you a great debt for all the work you've done in trying to help me find out what I am, which is take happens takes place off screen, but is basically a reflection of what Lydia was going through in season three, where nobody could be like, nobody could tell her what she mm-hmm. was except for Jennifer. I want to say Jennifer. Jennifer. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. did that just leave my brain? I thought, you know, I, I'm like, I'm a Teen Wolf historian and it turns out I'm more like a internet conspiracy theorist um, either that or your brain is made of swiss cheese which i think is mine my issue yes swiss cheese yeah you you forget stuff i told you five minutes ago yeah um, i'm a goldfish so well it's good to be self-aware <laughs> i identify as goldfish goldfish um but yeah i think that like lydia knows exactly what it feels like to be unable to like hone an identity and that is probably part of her dedication other than like attraction is part of her dedication to trying to figure out what parish is in a way where she's like i don't want you to suffer in the way that i did you know yeah well when he says that i owe you it's kind of unspoken in the sense that she kind of feels no i i owe you that gift of knowing what you are um like I f- she feels like she has a responsibility to him in that sense. Um, and it's, I don't know. And Parrish like has been benched this whole season, this whole season, this, this is the second episode. Um, like he hasn't really had anything to do. So he doesn't really have his identity as a deputy because um, they're scared of what he might or might not do. Mm-hmm. He might just burst into flames at any moment. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so he like doesn't have his normal work stuff to kind of keep him grounded um and what he does have is Lydia trying to to give him 
something to hold on to. And even if not giving him answers pertaining to his own identity, just expanding his, um, you know, identity and like the expanding his place and identity in the greater supernatural world as he understands more and more about the creatures as they go over the bestiary. I think that that's a very grounding thing. So like, again, I do understand why they'd be like close, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just, you know, execution. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah. And I think that Lydia sort of identifies herself as being like, well, I can figure this out. She's always sort of been the, I can figure this out. I'm like the, the person in this group who is going to be able to solve the problem. Um, and that's, you know, one of the great things about Styles and Lydia when they have more scenes together is that they both see themselves as that person in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that she, again, like I said, is is fearful for others of not being able to have identity because how much um, it frustrated her and how much her sort of and how much her like autonomy is going to be taken away in this season. I think it's 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 really important to show just how sort of um dedicated she is to helping people find themselves when she loses pretty much every sense of self as the season progresses. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's, this is not a throwaway line, but it wasn't a huge part of the episode, but Lydia tells Parrish that she could have graduated last year and she's only taking one class, which I guess is AP biology. I guess is the implication. But anyway, the point is, um, I don't know about your high school, but if you (laughs) progressed through classes fast enough, you took AP bio as like a sophomore. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, clearly. (laughs) Um, but Lydia just really wants to stay with her friends because that is where she knows who she is. Yeah. Um, and we've already seen Styles' anxiety um, of everybody going off to college, which is inevitably the next step. And like, how do you keep the whole gang together? Because you are all tied to each other through these in- incredible bonds of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and also of just like being supernatural or other. And the fact that Lydia, who could go to literally any school she wants, any school she wants mm-hmm. and she could have been there right now having all these college adult experiences, which like previous seasons, Lydia probably would have wanted. Um, but the fact that she kind of gave that up to stay with her friends. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's true. And I also think that there, um, and I mentioned this last episode, there's an element of like, when you like lose your closest friend, you have to pull all your other friends closer because you can't stomach losing them, which is also what styles is going through. Mm -hmm. Um, and also like Lydia does base her identity in her friends knowing what it is because Lydia and Parrish also, and I think this is another thing that sort of bonds them. It have suffer the, you know, plight of being one of a kind Mm -hmm. and we meet other banshees kind of, they all die. They all die. And, I don't know what it would be like to have a like, like to have two hellhounds in one place. That seems a little yeah. I think disastrous. it's I think it's, I think it's like a you know single person job <laughs> to carry the dead to the nematon. Yeah. But another thing also like the idea that they both have to like identify with grief and death is something that that pulls them together. And we're going to talk about that more as this season goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's quickly before we get into um, you know the rest of the boys uh, talk about Malia and. <laughs> Kira, there's not a lot to be said about them, mostly just because, quite unfortunately, they are not in this episode very much. Yeah, where are the girls? Um, my An interesting take on the sort of Malia identity of it all is that 
Styles, when he's trying to figure out like what's wrong with Theo, pitches that maybe his parents aren't actually his parents and they're actually like, you know, evil. And she's like, and he says, like, well, that would make him evil. And Malia looks at him and is like, my dad is Peter and my mom is the desert wolf who is like basically an anonymous serial killer to us at this moment. So, so and it's it's very tongue in cheek, but I do think, and we know this from the previous season, like Malia does have hangups about the fact that there is like evil in her blood. Yes, but she has found such comfort in existing within a group of people who don't care. Yeah. And so for Styles to all of a sudden care, care, and he's supposed to be the one who has forgiven her for everything, I'd be like, yeah, um, Dude. eat shit. Right? Yeah, well, it it's funny because it's not like that starts um, a big argument or anything. She's just trying to kind of make a point. But it is funny to put it in context of, like, other things that she said about how she feels about herself. And we even saw her making that assertion in the previous episode of, you know, putting her initials down as MT mm-hmm. instead of MH. Um, so she's, like, firmly decided who she is and she has this pack to back her up. And then all of a sudden... Yeah. Um, you know, she has someone coming in and being like, actually, I take it back. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because she also like Malia. Malia is like very sure of herself in a ways that is directly caused by her lack of socialization. Like when she's like, yeah, you should be threatened of Theo. He's hot. <laughs> Even if you think that while you're dating someone, which maybe you do. People are people. Humans are humans. You don't vocalize it. No. You know, but like. I don't really think that Malia has the sort of like people skills to do that, um, which can be an isolating thing. And then when all of a sudden somebody is like, yeah, you could be evil. It's like, Hey, I am practicing at being better. And also, no, I'm not. (laughs) Uh, I am trying. Well, that's the whole thing where styles is always like, believe it or not, that is an improvement. Yeah. Like, so styles like (laughs) rescinds his kindness in that moment, which is weird. Yeah. Um, And then she deals with it in a funny way because Malia is wonderful. And then Kira isn't quite, is on like the sort of precipice of experiencing her identity problems as this season goes on. Maybe we'll reuse this theme. Um, but right now it feels very um, poignant. When she breaks that light bulb, she's kind of scared. Oh, it totally kills the mood. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were about to have some have some fun. Uh, and oh, good Skira in this episode. Oh, Love it. They were so, so much Skira together. Um, <laughs> you ship what you ship, and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> exactly. You get you ship what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Exactly. Yes. If kindergartners can get it through their head, so can you. Yeah. Um, no, there's a really lovely moment. Well, one, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but she's talking to Scott about how, like, why he didn't tell her that he wants to go to UC Davis so that he can be a veterinarian. Um, and she's like, well, that's kind of an important thing. Um, why didn't you tell me that? And then, you know, she breaks this light bulb completely unintentionally. And like, I think there's music and it stops when Mm -hmm. that happens. Um, yeah. Um, the light certainly goes out. (laughs) Yeah, um, we're plunged into sudden darkness. So the audience knows that um, something happens. Like she can't, she wasn't even, like she didn't touch the light bulb. It just went off. Like she can't control it. Um, And versus the first episode where we see her come out swinging with her belt katana. Yeah. Full of swashbuckling confidence. How does that (laughs) not cut the belt loops on her pants? 
I don't know, maybe it's one of those, like, it's like the Twilight werewolves things where they just rip through their clothes every time they change. <laughs> That's why they have to keep their pants on, like, little strings. Yes. It's so, the idea of that is just so funny to well, me. Well, I mean, it looks like, it's not like the teen wolf werewolves can be wearing clothes when they're full wolves either. Like, Theo's no, naked. just fully naked. Uh, yeah. It's, um... But what I think you were getting at is, like, being out of control is not part of how Kira sees herself. And to have these sort of breakdown moments that she's going to have throughout um, the season, this is sort of the beginning of the end of her control. Well, and I think it's especially interesting that like she's dealing with um, electricity, which is a thing that, you know, humans spent so long trying to figure out how to corral and use because it's such an unwieldy thing. Um, And it's scary and it's really dangerous. Yeah. Um, And, Kira has not yet confronted any of that. Yeah, and I also don't think that Kira like sees herself as a danger and is now going to start, and mm-hmm. that is really scary and really sort of can can bring you to think very negatively about yourself. Um, and we'll see that as as we move on. Okay, back to the boys. I think we should talk with Theo. The entire thing about Theo and his identity is that it's fake. He's a big fat liar. Big fat liar. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it's funny because he's like kind of, uh, pulling some breadcrumbs. Like his sister did die. He's got a, yeah, a dead he sister. killed her, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so that's like a truth, but not a truth. Um, he says that he is a werewolf, um, who was bitten by the alpha that Ethan and Aiden took down. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have no way of knowing if that's true within this context, we also don't really have a timeline that would ever prove that. No. Um, so, you know, he is, he's just got a very trusting, he's yet evil face. He's living in half truths, you know, he's able to pull out enough of the identity that Scott would remember to sort of secure his place in the pack, but not enough of it for styles to identify him as the kid they once knew. And that's where we see this, this, this rift between Scott and styles. Well, and he, Theo really knows what he's doing when he appeals to Scott directly. Like he tries it a little bit with styles where he tries to kind of get him to empathize with his situation where he, um, is kind of trying to hype styles up being like, you're an amazing friend. Um, I don't have friends like you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's like truly a male manipulator. He's like, you're not like other girls. Mm -hmm. He listens to the front bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, what's your favorite male manipulator band? (laughs) That's a, that's a doozy. Um, yeah, but he like makes it kind of a direct appeal to Scott, um, being like, you know, we both had asthma. Remember that we both had asthma and I was going to go to the emergency room and you told me exactly what was going to happen and how it's going to be okay. Like he is playing directly into, um, Scott's greatest strength and also greatest weakness, which is his empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, because clearly he's done his research and, uh, it is, so manipulative and so so smart i think he's such a good villain and Mm -hmm. what he does is both uses his lack of identity in their life and his knowledge of how like they identify to and like can use that against them you Mm -hmm. know yeah he can be like well i know how you see me because i know you're this and like and i haven't changed at all since the fourth grade and and you'll be like oh yeah because you see this part of me so i guess i see that part of you it's 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 actually pretty brilliant Mm -hmm. um and uh we obviously see that it's a harder charade to keep up um than planned when he 
um, smashes his fake dad's hand with the hammer. Which is <laughs> okay, so funny. I, I have a bone to pick. We never actually know anything about those fake parents ever. Like, no. that is a ball that is totally dropped. And I'm just kind of like, don't put that in there if we're never going to figure out who these people he kidnapped are. Maybe yeah. we do. I'm sure someone will tell me on Twitter. <laughs> Thus far, everything we've gotten wrong has been addressed <laughs> in the DMs. I I truly can't remember. Um, and what I find so funny about that scene is that absolutely nobody has taken Styles seriously about these signatures and Liam's kind of like curious about it, but he's not, he doesn't believe styles. I don't think. I think, I think he does. I think he does believe styles. I think that Liam would just leave, you know? (laughs) No, not, not that he doesn't. I think he believes styles when styles says that he doesn't think that Theo is quite right. Yeah. But you know, styles has tried to bring up this signature thing to a bunch of different people. And they were like, you're crazy. Yeah. What are you talking about? And then Theo goes home and breaks his, fake dad's hand yeah with a very shiny hammer well it's you know it's interesting it's like the the people who the one the person who uh styles ends up recruiting is the other person who is least likely to trust people and Mm -hmm. have the most questions about you know other people's identities and their and how they present themselves and i think any opportunity to have styles and liam have an episode together is great Yes. There's like very little, nur- like the sort of nurturing aspect that Scott has over Liam is sweet, but it's way funnier for Styles to be like, I do not actually care about your well being at all. <laughs> but I do need you to come with me to spy on this man. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Theo plays everybody like an absolute fiddle except for Styles. And I think it's time we probably talk about the Styles and Scott dynamic i think one of the most iconic scenes in this season happens in this episode and it's the because you trust everyone conversation oh it's so good to set it up where they're like trying to fix the car um which we've seen happening before oh my god yeah having a secondary action while that happens it's it's almost like a kitchen sink drama where somebody is doing the dishes while they're like having a divorce it is such good business oh it's yeah it's great and i think that both Tyler Posey and Dylan O'Brien are really bringing their A-game in that scene, and it's such a thing of like, oh my god, they're so comfortable around each other that they can really hash this out. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, what's the whole Chekhov thing? Like, lives are ended over cups of tea. Mm-hmm. Friendships can be ended over fixing a truck. And yeah. I think that all of a sudden, Scott and Styles are in a position to really have to evaluate how the other one sees each like sees them. Yeah, and it's so interesting because this feels like an argument that has kind of been a long time in the making. Um, Yeah, I don't think they could have done the split between the two in any previous season. No. Do I think it was well executed? No. No. But. Um, I mean, I will say that I was kind of sitting there and thinking to myself, is this a little bit out of character? Um, You know, I can see there have been previous points where styles has kind of reached a breaking point or like other characters have kind of reached a breaking point with Scott. Um, and it's always been resolved because they want to resolve it. And it's just so interesting to me. Like what about Theo is the, the straw that's breaking the camel's back here. I think the idea I think because styles is, is holding so tight to Scott. Like they are at this point, like fairly codependent. Yes. Um, that anything could shatter that. And Styles really doesn't have a sense of identity outside of Scott. 
Mm -hmm. um, at this point or outside of the pack and, you know, adding just a grain, a grain of sand on either side of the scales would have them tip as it appears. And I think that that's, what's so terrifying to him because not only does he not want, um, uh, to be sort of perceived by Theo in the way that Theo is trying to like, you know, fake psychoanalyze him. I think that he really doesn't want Scott to ever be like somebody is closer to me than you. Yes. In an unhealthy way. Oh, for <laughs> sure. It is, it is not great. Um, but when you're, when you're talking about the codependency thing, um, one of the, the reasons why I found, um, the season opener so frustrating is because it's so alienating and it doesn't address anything that happened at the end of season four. Um, where literally Peter had put his plan into action to just kill Scott. Yeah. Um, and almost succeeded. And, you know, for Styles, that's like a little bit of a vindication because he has been saying all along, as he reminds us in this episode, that Peter is not to be trusted. And it's not that Scott doesn't hear him, but he's kind of like, you know, the benefit of having Peter on our side at the moment outweighs the risk. Yeah. Um, and for s sometimes that is true. And in the past season, it was not. And that is not addressed. Yeah. Yeah, it not addressed in the in the in the in the previous episode, no. Um, but what's interesting is Scott is kind of sitting here being like, you know, you now are so um paranoid and you've gotten so like reduced by the world we live in that you see evil everywhere. Mm -hmm. And when Styles pitches the Peter thing, like I mean, Scott a little bit tells him that a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine, you know, being Styles, holding so tight to this person that you love and then having them be like, I actually see you as somebody who isn't the person you used to be, which is a little bit what the conversation is, um, would be really, uh, it would really, really knock you down. And I think that they kind of lash out at each other in a little bit and Styles does raise his voice and he's like, yeah, but somebody has to be that person if you can't and expresses like extreme doubt in Scott, which I don't think Scott has ever really felt from styles before no it's um really emotional yeah that, that seems like such a simple word to describe well, it it's a, you know how people are like when you go away to college you start fighting with your like the, your senior year you start fighting with your parents a lot like psychologically it's to like make the break easier when you leave home mm -hmm. that's kind of what's happening yeah yeah and they are they are they are realigning the way that they see each other so as to make any separation that does happen easier and it actually just gets harder as the season goes mm -hmm. because they don't want to not be like that's his Scott that's his styles that's how they identify um, and I think that actually at the end of the season that having the rift makes them reevaluate and come together in a healthier way the dream yes the dream may we all go to therapy amen yes to that. Um, I think we're kind of wrapping up on our, our, our discussion on identity. I think so. Do you want to move into cues and O's? Let's do it. Do you have any um, cues? No, this episode was so straightforward. I could follow everything and actually the lighting was enough to see things. So that was cool. Thank God. Thank you, Tim. Um, I actually, <laughs> I uh, have been watching Shadow and Bone and um, one oh, of- Oh, people have been asking. Yes. Well, one of the plot points in Shadow and Bone is that there's um, this 
like a rift in the uh, land that prevents, that splits a country in half basically, and you have to travel through it and you might get eaten by the, you know, animals that are in there, the horrible beasts. And um, it's supposed to be just pitch black. You're not, be, you're not supposed to be able to see anything. And I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, I really won't be able to see anything. No, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. And I was like, see, it can be done. It can be done. And it was done in this episode. And it was. Did you have questions? No. Uh, do you have any observations? Uh, yeah. I, oh, there, when Scott is helping that little girl's dog and she says, thank you, Dr. McCall. My heart. Killed thank me. Thank you, Dr. McCall. Very um, cute. So cute. I mean, and so, like, it's so appropriate because Scott's a werewolf that he wants to be a vet, but also the, his mom is a nurse. Like, it's, it's the family. They are a family of caretakers. Yes. Yeah. Um, I loved Love, love, loved. One that Scott is an AP bio, but two, there's a little silent conversation. I have that as what my, yes. my observation. The whole like, who's gonna tell him? Who's gonna tell him between uh, Kira, Kira and Lydia? Lydia? One because I because we get so like boo Teen Wolf because we get so few good friendship interactions between the girls post mortem on Allison. Yeah, which is like, wh- why would you do that? Why are we not seeing more of the girls once she's gone? Because we need to reevaluate friendships anyway. Anyway. Um, Teen Wolf. <laughs> um, it was so good because it just expresses such brilliant familiarity and also a little bit like, Scott, you are, do you know you're in the right classroom? Which I realized when he was sad about maybe not being able to get into UC Davis that we should have been less mean about him being dumb because he clearly took it to heart. But it also <laughs> appears that the girls are a little bit mean about him being dumb because he's taking it to heart. Well, I just, yeah, I loved their little... um frantic eyebrow raising at each other because it's just so familiar yeah to to me personally um i loved it we talked about um all of the teen wolfisms i loved the um dread doctor coming out of the locker Mm -hmm. um i thought that was really really fun um and yeah i think i've brought up most of my other my last um, one is how good i think the sound is on the dread doctors the fact that they sound like like uh clock work it's like very analog like the clicking of the metallic sort of movements and stuff i think all of that is really effective also reminded me of um the girl in the flyer place episode of doctor who yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah in my notes last week i wrote um the dread doctors do some clicking they click because they, they just they click click, click, click. <laughs> yeah 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 um, we didn't really talk about Hayden at all, but I did just want to say before we get into talking about her that, um, one of the things that I like about it is that, um, she and Liam already know each other. She's not like a mysterious new girl who came to school. Yeah. I do uh, like that they're set up as, yeah, you know, as sixth grade enemies, which do, did you have sixth grade enemies? I had seventh grade enemies for sure. I, I was just flat out disliked <laughs> as I'm sure everyone listening could have predicted. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 Middle school. How was middle school, guys? Terrible? Mediocre. We're going to have a rude post a picture of themselves in middle school so we can all have a good laugh. How funny would that be? It'd be adorable. Yes, please. I don't know if I'm ready to show off those teeth. I had the world's worst haircuts. I Over and over. Yeah. 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 I could not. Blue eyeliner? Blue eyeliner. I, um... Did not start wearing contacts until high school. Um, and not that I don't think the glasses are great, but glasses in like the late aughts were terrible. Yeah. And I always picked the ugliest ones. You know what I will say about middle school? Hmm. The music slapped. 
constantly. Yeah. I have a middle school playlist that is like 12 hours long. Like dance, like party music was just like really good from our middle school years to our high school years. And then. And then it was actually pretty good when we were in college. Yeah. I just don't like music now because I'm curmudgeon And um, old. But like Kesha was like the end of middle school, early high school. And like, bless her. Love you, Kesha. Um, the number of group projects where you have to like rewrite song songs. Lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Why do we have to do that all the time? <laughs> to like a Kesha song. Because yeah. you thought it was funny. It's funny. You're like, yeah. wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Uh-huh. You think about some of that music and you're like, what did I see in this <laughs> at 12? <laughs> yeah. Because well, now that I'm 25 and can enjoy it proper. Yeah. Yeah. In, in so- my sophomore year of high school, I really did understand before I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack that just like spoke to my soul. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. You were that kind of party girl. Oh uh, yeah. 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 No, you weren't. <laughs> no. We were nerds, obviously. Um, should we uh, do pack stats? Let's do pack stats. It's actually very pack stat light. Weird episode. for such a Teen Wolf ism episode. Yeah, um, we had three eyes, one claws, and two naked. Uh, Kira takes off her shirt. Oh yeah, she's wearing a very cute bra. Very cute bra. Um, I did actually I feel make like a note of that. Sort of like partial like bustier bra was really in back then because it was kind of like the bandeau style where we all wore with like low muscle shirts. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, that was the that was the bra. Um, and then Theo is obviously just like butt ass naked after transforming out of his wolf state. Cute. We don't get as much like t- looking time as we did with Derek, which is fine. That's okay. It's okay. He is in theory a high schooler. Yes. So respect. Yeah. Someone's boundaries were respected. <laughs> the man's. Not mine. Yeah. Um, um, was that it? Yeah. Did we have any sirens? Not that I heard. It's been quiet. Except for earlier this morning. Did you ever see what happened? No. Okay. Mystery. Guys, we woke up and there were five emergency vehicles outside of our building. We have no idea what happened, but thoughts and prayers. Uh, Alpha of the week. My alpha of the week is probably, oh, I know. I'm trying to figure out like who did Liam. Liam. Liam and Mason together. Yeah. Yeah, because no one did anything helpful. And a little helpful. bit of Lydia for being like b- taking a, taking the opportunity to be the person who was going to help Tracy because it feels like her problems are very much being ignored. And Lydia was like, "I will not let this girl suffer." Yes. So I'll give it to Lydia and I'll give it to Liam. I would um, squad on board. Cool. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Well, you guys, if you uh, liked this episode. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. If you really liked it, you can buy us a coffee, ko-fi.com uh, forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. You can follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. And like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you guys can uh, join our Facebook group and hang out and, and, and share the memes. Um, well, I guess that wraps it up. I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo!